Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, gentlemen, today we are talking about the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, as Northwestern finishes kind of the gauntlet of the schedule, uh, we get into the latter part of October, beginning of November, where at least on paper, things seem to get a little bit easier. But uh, that may not be quite as easy as we think. Um, John, defensively, Indiana has been kind of a train wreck lately. Um, is that still the case? So when you say that, you must be referring to the Kevin Wilson era. And in that respect, you're absolutely correct. Um, since then, it's been a little bit weird. And I think the the way to kind of sum it up relative to now would be to, to say, look at Indiana and say, well, it was fun while it lasted. So in 2016 and 2017, the Hoosiers somehow kind of found lightning in a bottle defensively. They lucked into one of the best linebackers in the conference, into Grayscales. They built a nice little core around him. And they put together a defense that ranks among the best Indiana defenses ever and is so far beyond the Kevin Wilson units that it's kind of hard to believe that both of those things happened at IU. But that's all gone now. We're back to the Indiana defense that we should reasonably expect year to year. The one Sam was just alluding to. Bad, but not as bad as Rutgers and Illinois. This was the 10th best defense in the conference last year, and that area is exactly where the Hoosiers are going to end up this year. If you look at Indiana's stats last year, though, what you see is Tom Allen vainly grasping for the team that was there the past couple of years and isn't coming back. Indiana only had two players with more than 60 tackles last year, but 17 players with at least two tackles for loss. In other words... Everyone who could play, did play. It was kind of almost like Allen was pulling the slot machine lever again and again, trying to win that jackpot one more time. It didn't happen, though. And now we know that Indiana doesn't have the ponies anywhere on this roster. Because if they did, those guys would have stood out last year when, again, everybody played. So, easily the best player on this defense is linebacker Marcelino Ball. But that's a little bit misleading. Ball is sort of like a poor man's Jabril Peppers. He's the best athlete that Indiana has, and they move him all over the place to try to optimize his production. So given that, seven and a half tackles for loss and two and a half sacks is kind of sad. Um, expect Indiana to rotate a ton of guys at linebacker over overall, kind of hoping that six or seven dimes are going to add up to a dollar. I don't think that's going to happen. There isn't much going on in the secondary either. Indiana only had 11 interceptions last year. And it's funny, listening to some of our recent pods, I feel like only having 11 interceptions seems to be a hallmark of most of the worst defenses in the Big Ten this year. (laughs) That's kind of just this random number. It's like, you had 11 picks last year, bad defense. But that includes Indiana. And in fitting with last year's overall theme, Half of those were single picks made by guys who otherwise didn't play much at all, but just happened to be on the field at the right time. Three of those picks were made by safety Bryant Fitzgerald, and he didn't have a single pass breakup. Still, 
Fitzgerald was only a freshman. So he just may be the best defender the Hoosiers have other than Ball. And Indiana does have one competent senior cornerback in Andre Brown Jr. Up front, there's some half-decent returning talent in tackle Jerome Johnson and end Allen Stallings IV. They combined for 11.5 TFLs, but that's about it. If you're an Indiana fan, the best thing you can say about this defense is that it's trying. Allen elevated a new defensive coordinator this year, and last year's flailing around still shows that he's really trying to accomplish something defensively, whether that's a hopeless endeavor or not. Um, That effort, coupled with a few of these random guys, means that Indiana is always going to be ranked above Rutgers and Illinois, at least under this current group of coaches, and quite possibly Nebraska. There's nothing to fear here defensively. Maybe, just maybe, there's a little something to respect. Well, offensively, Skuz, um, I guess traditionally, and you know, I, I say this because we haven't seen Indiana in several years. Um, so I, I can honestly say I haven't been paying a ton of attention to Indiana offense or Indiana at all. But you know, in, you know, in years past, their offense has been interesting and dynamic, and you know. Not, you know, really, really good, but scary enough to kind of cause some worry. Is that still the case, or am I just completely living in the four or five years ago? Yes and no. Uh, the the answer to, well, really the answer to both those things is yes. Um, so the only time we played Indiana the last five years was 2016, and that was when they were at their worst. So that was the year after Nate Sudfeld uh, Jordan Howard and a couple other players all graduated. They were basically going back to the drawing board. And then it was after that year that Kevin Wilson got, or during that year, I think that Kevin Wilson got canned. But in 2015, Nate Sudfeld's senior year, uh, they hit 36 points per game. That was the second highest total of the Kevin Wilson era. The following year, they dropped off to 26 and they have stayed there for three years. However, in those three years, Their yards per carry have uh, increased while their number of rushes have decreased. They've basically gotten more efficient in their running game. Their completion percentage has gone from sub-60 to plus 65% as a team. Their yards per play have solidified. They've gotten a teensy-tiny bit better on sacks. Um, But most importantly, their turnovers have, have flipped around. So overall, from a production standpoint, you know, points per game... They were a miserable 12th in the in the conference last year, but they were 7th in yardage. And if I were to peg them against another opponent, it's it's kind of like the opposite of Iowa. And interestingly, when you look at like yardage and efficiency, they were more productive than Iowa last season on offense, and that's against tougher competition. Now, they got hammered by the Hawkeyes when they actually played each other head-to-head, and, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, John's aforementioned uh, Indiana defense review. And if you want to hear about what he thinks about Iowa's defense, go listen to that preview too. Um, but the Hoosiers from that production last year bring back a ton, and most importantly at QB. They have two legit guys, Peyton Ramsey, who was extremely accurate last year but probably likes the short stuff a little too much, and Michael Penix who came into last season with a lot of height. Uh, he he appeared to be ready to take the reins midseason, and then he tore his ACL during the Penn State game. So Ramsey, last year, 66% complete, 
nine, uh, 19 touchdowns, 13 picks. He averaged about three yards per carry on the ground. Frankly, he was 2017 Clayton Thorson, but a little bit more accurate. Similarly, he was sacked 27 times last season. Uh, Penix played early, and then he came in during that Penn State game, like I mentioned. He got hurt, but not before. He threw for he threw for 94 yards in like two to three series against Penn State. Wow. That's more than what that's more than what Wisconsin did in the entire game against Penn State. Now, this does not make him a Heisman candidate, but the Hoosiers were really excited about him last year, both his arm and his legs. Uh, They've got a nice uh, offensive coordinator to pair with him this year, too. Kalen DeBoer, who comes from uh, Fresno State, previously to that Eastern Michigan, previously to that Southern Illinois in his last uh, three jobs. Assuming that he's fully recovered, Penix could really make some waves. Uh, He's a much better runner uh, and a better thrower than Ramsey. But if something does happen and he does get injured... Ramsey's got one and a half years of starting experience and fits into a very similar offensive mold. They don't have to change anything. They're just going to get a little a little bit less efficient um, in, in both running and passing if they have Ramsey in there. So either way, like, they've got a legit dual-threat quarterback experience. Um, you know, pass first, but with, the, with enough athleticism to do damage uh, with the legs. That right there is a test for Northwestern. That's the combination that, that often hurts us. Now, over the course of time that you're thinking, Sammy, the offense uh, with Kevin Wilson at the helm, and we've talked about this a lot, unsurprisingly churned out a ton of awesome running backs. I mean, these guys were just coming out like popcorn every single year. And frankly, they've got a really good backfield yet again. So Stevie Scott returns this year. He ran for 1,000 yards, averaged five per carry, scored 10 TDs as a true freshman. They also bring in another true freshman named Samson Jones, four-star recruit. This guy decommitted from Ohio State to stay home at IU. Now, if that doesn't say something about how Tom Allen is moving the needle in Bloomington, I do not know what will. Last year in the receiver core, this team really spread the ball around. Ten-plus guys had double-digit catches, and all but three of them are back. Uh, Nick Westbrook and Donovan Hale are the top guys. Both have decent yardage averages. They're both very tall. The backups and the tight ends are all similarly six foot four and above. This is not a great matchup for Northwestern. You can guys can now start to see why I would describe this as the as the offense on the on the schedule that scares me the most uh, outside of UNLV. <laughs> Where I've got some hope is O line. So I will start by telling you that last year, Indiana's offensive line was better in every advanced metric than Ohio State, with the exception of sack rate. Now they lose three starters, including an awesome center who was a grad transfer from Miami, but they bring back two senior starters. They've got four other guys with good experience. While it's not a huge drop-off, um, it does it does make me think that the sack issues are going to persist, and that at least gives a defense like ours uh, a chance to really blunt this offense. But when you look at the talent at quarterback, the consistency at running back, the fact that this offense has gotten better f- from an efficiency standpoint for three years in a row now, they will probably um, be good enough to keep turnovers net positive this season, at least from an offensive perspective. They might not gain a lot on D, but I, this awesome offense is very effective. I mean, this is <laughs> gone are the, uh, who is, who is the soap opera stars kid who was quarterback for, for a couple years? Um, Andrew Diamante or something like that. Like gone are the years. Xander Diamante, right? Xander. Thank you. Xander Diamante. Yeah. Um, those years, those years are gone. Like this is a, a very competent, um, potentially difficult uh, offense with 
frankly, just a lot of bad matchups for Northwestern. The fact that we see them in Bloomington is also, I mean, Indiana's not really known for like their insane home field advantage, but you know, it, going on the road in the Big Ten is always difficult. Um, let's, let's run through their schedule real quick. Uh, they opened up the season, uh, at home against, well, in Indianapolis against Ball State, uh, then Eastern Illinois, Ohio State, and Yukon comes in. Uh, they're, then they're at Michigan State, bye week, home for Rutgers, at Maryland, at Nebraska, home for Northwestern, then they get their other bye week, they're at Penn State, home for Michigan, and then finish the season with the old oak and bucket game at Purdue. Um, so, I mean, it's, yeah, you're, you're looking at Nebraska, Northwestern, and Purdue as your cross uh, cross division games. That's tough. It is. It is, especially because just... you're, you're going to Nebraska, which you know and we've talked about Nebraska already. Um, go back and listen to our pod because it was a really wonderful preview. Um, but still, going going to Lincoln is is tough. I can be tough. I'd call this schedule tough but fair. Um, they, I mean, they delicious creamy frosting in the non-con. <laughs> uh, Ball hey, State. Hey, don't don't mess with Adam Cushing coached Eastern Illinois, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, UConn is quite possibly worse than Eastern Illinois. That's UConn was yeah. arguably the worst team in the country last year. Truth. Um, so are are they independent yet, or are they going? Is that next year? Yeah, I don't know. If they're they're going to independent. They're going out into the desert. Let's put it that way. Um, th- I think one of the things that hurts Indiana because based on everything Scuzz just said, and again, it's a bad defense. There are levels of bad in the Big Ten to defenses, and they're less bad than other teams. I think one of the places that hurts them is. To your to your point, Sammy, they have a lot of games that they're really going to be in, and a bunch of those games are on the road: Maryland, Nebraska, and Purdue. Um, yep. And that doesn't help them. Their schedule overall. I mean, there are five games where the other team, you know, Ohio State, Michigan State, Northwestern, Penn State, and Michigan. Those games are all going to kind of tip against them. I mean, I. I'd be curious to hear your specific thoughts on the Michigan State games, because just because I think it's a question of if they can throw, they might have a shot to be in that game a little bit. Um, but, the, you know, the other ones, I mean, I know they get Northwestern at home, but Northwestern, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, and I'm not going to give short shrift to what Scuzz said. Indiana is for sure a scary matchup. But if you take that group out of the equation, there are certainly a lot of games. I mean, Ball State, Connecticut... Eastern Illinois, Rutgers, I mean, that's I would give them, that's four wins right there for sure. And then, you know, if they can take two out of three on the road, Maryland, Nebraska, and Purdue, now they're bowling. But I don't know if they've quite got that or not. Yeah, I, I mean, two out of three there, two out of three there feels t- tough to me. Um, you know, t- folks bet the over on the Indiana-Nebraska game right now. <laughs> yeah, probably bet the over on the Purdue game as well. Um, I like. I don't know how good. So 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 here's something that's interesting, right? And we've done our Ohio State preview, and I've I've been reading more and more about you know I, I, I was sifted through some anonymous coach 
uh, commentary about uh, different Big Ten coaches commenting on other teams in an anonymous, anonymous fashion yesterday on The Athletic uh, and picking up tidbits here and there. Like, if you can attack downfield, if you can, if you can bomb the ball, you've got a shot against Ohio State, Michigan State, maybe even Michigan. I, like that's why that's what I was alluding to earlier. It's like if you can throw on Michigan State, you can be in a game with them. Yeah, and I like so. Indiana might again only win five games, but they might they might they might look like a team that should have gone eight and four against a that a favorable schedule. Like if they had Nebraska's schedule, whew. That was that's a funny thing. It's funny that you say that because I was looking. I was thinking, all right, what's the ceiling for Indiana in this schedule? And I immediately I want to say seven wins. But the thing is, an Indiana team that wins the seven games I'm looking at as winnable games for them, an Indiana team that wins all seven of those games is probably also going to beat Michigan State and Northwestern. Yeah, <laughs> so. right. Like they're like they're, and that's the thing. Like Indiana kind of reminds me of Northwestern of like. 2005 gonna win a game that they have no business winning gonna lose a game that they absolutely should have won and as a result they're gonna end up like in the seven win range um but they could be in the five win range too i don't know i just it's 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 funny too because if you ask me like nebraska's a great comp for indiana i'd say indiana's a tiny bit better on defense and a tiny bit worse on offense um and I think that game is going to be an interesting game to watch. But it's just funny because it goes to the point. Scuzz has painted a picture of a team that is pretty complete and experienced on offense. Um, and yeah, and, and yeah, like not explosive, but just super competent. Like they're going to cause pressure, and they've got enough you know experience at, at at the positions that matter. That I don't know. Like team teams aren't going to. Here's the other thing about Indiana, right? Nobody is looking at Indiana on their schedule, circling the game and thinking, "Oh man, watch right. out!" And that's, that's the, the flip, right? That, I mean, that's the other corollary with with early aughts Northwestern, right? Is that nobody nobody took us seriously, and we ended up being able to get in some dogfights and come out with the win. And I think teams that overlook Indiana are really putting themselves in jeopardy. And that's, I, I, I talked about it on our Ohio state podcast, like the, the, the Ohio state, Indiana matchup. Look out. It's at Indiana. This it's funny. This is the game that Indiana university always uses to take all the pictures of their, all the aerial photos of their campus. And everything <laughs> everything because filled with red. There's a horde of red people there. Right. So it feels like an Ohio state home game, but you know, Ohio State's probably going to be riding high after knocking off a, a feisty Cincinnati team, and you know everything's going great in the Ryan Day area. Era Justin Fields looks good, and they come into this game feeling good about themselves, and all of a sudden find themselves down, you know, twenty-one to three, and suddenly they can't just run the ball to get back into the game. They they need to actually throw it and let it loose, and 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 they haven't had to do that. They're not ready. I don't know. Like, I guarantee you every single Indiana player is thinking about that game. They're not worried about Ball State or Eastern Illinois. They're going to win those games pretty handily. It's funny, too, because I think people talked, people like people who heard our Nebraska pod and everything and hear me talking about a comp for Nebraska and saying, well, boy, it sure sounds like you guys are glass half full on Indiana and glass half empty on Nebraska. No, we aren't. 
at the end of the day, I think we predicted Nebraska was, you know, had a chance to win more games, possibly, if Adrian Martinez stays healthy, than this Indiana team. Mainly that's because I think Nebraska's got a better-looking schedule. Much. Yeah. yeah. I think Indiana just, it's, they're over there in the East. They, they don't get much help in the schedule. They Like I said, they loaded up with the creamy frosting as much as they could. But this is a team that feels like, I kind of feel like they're going to end up around six wins. That's totally reasonable. And no one's calling for them to win their half of the Big Ten. So it's really easy to just properly evaluate a team like this. So you, we're, we're thinking six. I mean, uh, can they get to six? I they should maybe. I again, I there are four lock it down games for them, and then I feel like I think I feel like they only take one out of three of at Maryland, at Nebraska, and at Purdue. But I feel like they could get one. It's possible they lose all three, but I'm going to give them one of those. And then I don't know. I some other game, and I hope it ain't us. Um, knocking wood furiously, but I feel like they they maybe have a choice to make, uh, you know, a chance to make noise somewhere else. I mean, you could easily talk me into five, but um, this team is, is going to have enough pieces on offense and is not going to be a train wreck on defense that I feel like they could get to six. So they, they've done five wins each of the last two years. And this just, certainly from the offensive side, this feels like a much stronger team. I, 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 I'm going to give them six. I don't know how they get there. And like you, John, I'm furiously tapping wood and, and terrified uh, in, inside. But um, I think they can get to six. I think, they can, I think they can go bowling this year. How concerned are you guys the fact that, you know, we're going to be coming out of our gauntlet of October. This is the first game in November. Um, is there going to be – is there potential for letdown after, like, the Ohio State-Iowa back-to-back? I mean – I think we, we yes. Look, we I look at November and kind of take our foot off the gas a little bit. So I'm extremely concerned because of the matchups. I actually think the timing on the calendar and the fact that it's a road game. My 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 sense on Northwestern the last couple of seasons is that, um, so a with like November is just like lock it down time. Like everyone is dialed in. But there's there's something about the closeness of of the Northwestern squad and how road games galvanize them almost, and we've seen them win in some surprising spaces, surprising places. Um, I, I think about the the there was a pretty big win at Michigan State a couple of years ago. Um, I'm I'm struggling to, uh, Iowa last year, you know, like. If if this were like let's say the Ohio State game was on the road and then Iowa was a, was homecoming at home and then we had Indiana at home the following week, I'd be much much more concerned about the letdown. But the fact they have to go on the road, the fact that they're going to be a little bit more like isolated with them within themselves and coming off those couple games and saying, "All right, guys, we got we got to prepare. We, we're going on the road. This is not a sleep in your own bed all week. Get up and and play a weak Indiana team." You know, I just I so. The, the positioning feels good, but the matchups scare the hell out of me. The other part, the other piece of that too, is this game is going to be a huge game for Indiana. The most likely scenario is they'll roll into this game four and four, and if they're four and four, they're going to be looking at the two games that come after this game, Penn State and Michigan, and thinking most likely those are losses. So we need to beat Northwestern 
and we need to win at Purdue at the end of the year. They also get a bye after our game. So they've got it's they're going to be locking right in. The second most likely scenario is that Indiana picks up either at Maryland or at Nebraska, in which case they'll literally be playing for bowl eligibility at home against Northwestern. In either case, it's going to be a really big game for the Hoosiers at home coming right before a bye week. And I think, you know, our team's going to be more than aware that they are going to be playing to max potential in that game. And I think it's it's going to be a real knockdown drag out game for us. Oh, well, we'll go ahead and leave it there for the Hoosiers uh, tonight. Um, head to our website, westlawparrots.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.